Allie, along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. And welcome, guys, to the Mulberry Lane Show. We are so happy that you're hanging out with us today. Now, do you need a pick-me-up this weekend? Yes. Has your to-do list exploded like mine? <laughs> Has your get-up-and-go got-up-and-went? Bye-bye. Well, let's see if we can get you and us back on track with these bits of advice from the guests stopping by this weekend. Maybe this is just what you needed to hear. Me too. Okay, well, let's get to the guests, sisters. Let's do it, Bo. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity stories, songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Well, up first, you guys are going to hear from one of the guys from the Rembrandts who co-wrote this song. I'll be there for you. Now, Danny Wilde from the Rembrandts joins your weekend to tell you all about the new music called Via Satellite. Yes, with the same jangly guitars and harmonies you know and love, you're going to hear the behind the scenes on the writing of the song, I'll Be There For You, and how their lives change in a matter of uh, about four days. It can happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Danny also talks about how that song, of course, changed their lives and how you can follow up an explosive success and get back to that creative sweet spot. Great wisdom here for any creative struggling to find that center. Okay, girls, who are we throwing it to next? Well, we did something a little bit different on this episode. We went back into the Mulberry Lane Show archives to dig up part of an interview with the other co-writer of the mega hit, I'll Be There For You. Yes, and if you guys like this, you have Rachel to thank, because this was her idea. Yes. So we interviewed Allie Willis about a year ago, and the interesting thing is she and Danny never actually met. They were co-writers on the same song, and you're going to hear her perspective of the writing of that song, and she was in a totally different place in her life. It's a cool little contrast you guys are going to get today. Two views on one song. And just to give you a little context, Allie Willis also co-wrote the song September, Boogie Wonderland for Earth, Wind, and Fire, and so many other hits, including co-authoring the Broadway show The Color Purple. So hear her take on how she overcomes self-doubt. Even with all her success, she still has self-doubt, and she has some words of advice for you to help you overcome yours. Give me plenty of that. (laughs) Okay, sisters, who's next? Well, finally, you're going to hang out with comedian Angela Johnson. She talks how to not base your worth on your social media likes, Mm. something we all need to hear, and how she created the viral nail salon character and the Bon Kui Kui character she's famous for. And if you're wondering if you should keep going on the path you're on or if you should just give up, and we've all been there, she has some gems on how to decide what your next move should be. So you're not only going to get some laughs from Angela, but some sage words as well. Mm, so good. And make sure you check out Angela's technically not stalking tour that's coming through the Midwest November 9th in Lincoln and the 10th in KC. <laughs> Gotta love that name. Technically not stalking. <laughs> well, before we totally stalk our first guest with a bunch of questions. <laughs> I have a little story to tell you guys about my daughter, Clover. Oh, I love the Clover stories. So last week, we stopped at a gas station, filled up the tank. We were pulling out, and I heard Clover say, Oh, phew, 
I go, and I said, what? And she said, there was a lady walking, and then I didn't see her, and I thought someone took her, but then I saw her again, and she said, mommy, I was so worried she was lady-napped. <laughs> and I go, Clover, you know, kind of like kidnapped, but for a lady, and she goes, yeah, lady-napped. And she goes, that makes so much sense. Yeah, she goes, that's right, right? And I go, you know what? You just coined another phrase, but yeah, I'm glad she wasn't lady-napped, too. <laughs> so there's another Clover phrase for your vocabulary. There you go. Okay, well, we're going to kidnap our next guest for just a little bit, or should I say man-nap? <laughs> we're going to ask all the questions you want to hear of Danny Wilde of the Rembrandts. Get the scoop behind the writing of the Friends theme song on the other side of the break. Hang out right here. Yep, it's your radio sisters, Rachel Bow and Allie, on the Mulberry Lane Show. Woo. Back in a flash. We are family. This segment is brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology, Advanced Comprehensive Medical, Surgical, and Cosmetic Dermatologic Care. BraddockFinnegan.com It's your weekend getaway, guys. You're hanging out here on the Mulberry Lane Show. It's Allie along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. Glad you're here with us. Well, Danny Wilde of the Rembrandts is joining your weekend. Now, of course, you know the Rembrandts most for their friend's theme song, I'll Be There For You. Now, the duo is made up of Danny and Phil Solemn, and these guys are releasing their first album in 18 years. It's called Via Satellite, complete with jangly guitars and mm, those harmonies. Well, friends, Danny's here for you right now to give you the scoop. Welcome, welcome to the show, Danny Wilde of the Rembrandts. Oh my God, yay, that was so sweet. <laughs> Thank you, good to have you. I'm a sucker for harmonies. Oh, we know, we and are too. Yep, so yeah. Via Satellite, of course, is chock full of the jangly guitars and the harmonies, so it's been 18 years in the making, so when did you guys decide to pull the trigger and say, okay, it's time to do this? Well, we pulled the trigger. I mean, we've been pulling the trigger forever. Um, we just decided to pull the trigger and put all the songs together and on one record and, you know, put it out. We've never really stopped writing or, or gone away or anything. We've been, I guess you'd say, flying under the radar. That's a, a bit, okay. of, bit of an understatement. But uh -huh. um, we tour. We do a lot of singer-songwriter kind of uh, duo acoustic shows. Fun. Um, we head out on the road probably you know, four, five, six weeks out of the year, every other year, like in support of some of our friends, such as the, the Gin Blossoms or whatever. But okay. yeah, we've never really stopped writing or recording. We found ourselves with a, an abundance of songs, and then the hard part was just really picking the ones that would fit on this album. Yes, so um, what was that process like? Well, the album has kind of been ready to be released in maybe five different incarnations okay. over, you know, the last... <laughs> 15 years but you know I mean as songwriters yourself you know that when you write a song it's like the new song you get all excited about yes. it. say alright wow we have to bump this one this one has to go on the record so um, it's been kind of a process like that we didn't really want to self-release because when you just throw it out there right. nobody really knows about it except mm -hmm. for maybe a few people so when Bluey Lawn, this little indie label from L.A., came around and they were very excited about, you know, the album via satellite, we said, sure, let's go. I mean, they were ready and, and the time felt right all of a sudden. You yeah, know, timing so is so years. important. You know, when the things come together in the right way, then you know it's, it's a go. Right, I mean, who knows if anything will happen. It just seemed like 
you know what, why not? Yeah. So then did yeah. you and Phil duke it out as to which songs ended up on the album? A little bit of arm wrestling, but um, <laughs> I guess the good news is that uh, we're already working on the follow-up record. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 when you so you can say, um, not on this album, but let's put it on the next one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So when you two work together now, you know, so much technology is available. In my head, I imagine you two, you know, in a room together, working song ideas out and harmonies out. Do you work that way, or are you long-distance and technology-driven now? Really, all of the above. The, um, the title of the album, Via Satellite, was kind of about us working from afar, because okay. Phil, even throughout our whole career, he's, he's lived in Minneapolis, and up to two years ago, he lived in Minneapolis, and now he's in Nashville. From the very first album on, we always, by ourselves, kind of come up with ideas and and not finish them and then get together and finish them out and a lot of uh, the writing process for us is sort of like little puzzle pieces and then we put them all together um at the end of the day so in other words you guys finish each other's sentences kind of sort of yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i say you know i've got a bridge i think will go better and you know with your verse over here and then there's a little bit of arm wrestling and and i win (laughs) (laughs) so is there ever a song that you know you're really excited about but you just can't get it to where you want it to be yeah we've got a, a, a pile of them okay sitting around you know i guess probably for every one song that does make it there's a you know a graveyard of 10 that didn't <laughs> yeah but once in a while there'll be like but the b section or the bridge for that song is really cool let's try it out in this song okay. and so there's a fair amount of that going on as uh-huh. well Okay. Well, if you're just jumping in right here, you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, hanging out with Danny Wilde of the Rembrandts, most known for the Friends theme song. We want to talk a little bit about I'll Be There For You. Were, you. were you surprised when that blew up the way it did? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had no idea. It was, you know, an unknown cast. Uh, it was a pilot. We recorded the song. We, we got the gig because the executive producer of the show, Kevin Bright, was a fan of the Rembrandts. Okay. Um, you know, we'd already had two albums out by then. He asked us if we'd be interested in uh, recording a theme song for it. And so we said, yeah, I think that was like on a Wednesday. We met with the musical director, Michael Skloff, on a Thursday. Phil flew out from Minneapolis on a Saturday. We cut the song, mixed it on Sunday, and it aired the following Tuesday. So it was just like... Whirlwind. And then then it just went crazy. Wow. That's the way it happens in the movies, not in real life. (laughs) It really did happen that way. (laughs) That's amazing. An interesting thing, Allie Willis was co-writer. Right. On that. And she's been on our show and we've talked to her about the song. And, you know, from her perspective, she said, you know, she was trying to get out of her publishing deal and she had to show up because she owed a seventh of a song. So she oh showed my God, up. I didn't know that. Yeah. So she showed up to this session mainly to get out of her publishing deal and, you know, was not thrilled to be there or thrilled to be a part of it. But of course, now she's loving it. But anyway, I was just wondering what that session was like from from you guys standpoint. What? We never actually sat in the room with Allie. Um, Michael Skloff, the music director, and Allie had sat down and came up with the first verse and the chorus, and kind of in a rough version. And um, when Phil and I were brought in, um, you know, we we sort of brought the arrangement idea, the riff at the beginning of the song. You know, we, I guess, Rembrandtized it, and there was that version, and then once it blew up... uh, You had to write the full version of the song then. 
Yeah, exactly. We went in the studio at the request of the record company and recorded the full version. So we had more input in, like, the rest of the song from the okay. first chorus out, uh, second verse, right. bridge, solo, the arrangement of it, and, um, yeah. That's so interesting. You're getting the scoop on perhaps one of the most recognizable songs in pop culture, I'll Be There For You, the Friends theme. I don't know about you, but I learned one thing from this interview so far. Your life can change in a matter of four days. (laughs) We'll keep it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. More with Danny of the Rembrandts on the other side of the break. See you in a second. No one told you life was gonna be this way. Your job's a joke, you broke. Your love life's the way. It's like you're always stuck in second well, Dr. Mary Finnegan of Braddock Finnegan Dermatology is here to tell you about Aqua Gold. So, Aqua Gold is a small vial that has small stainless steel needles that are finer than a human hair, in which we can leave product in the surface of the skin. The procedure takes about 15 minutes for the whole face. It gives a very dewy look, an airbrushed look. There's mild redness, otherwise no downtime at all. Aqua Gold at Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. That's BraddockFinnegan.com. Find the harmony here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Bo here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. In the middle of a chat with Danny Wilde of the Rembrandts. Now, of course, the Rembrandts are most famous for the friend song, I'll Be There For You. We were just chatting with Danny about the recording of that song. We're going to get back with him to see how did that song change his life. We're so happy you're here with us on the Mulberry Lane Show. Let's get back with Danny right now where he's talking about writing I'll Be There For You on a very tight time schedule. Do you enjoy working on a deadline like that? Is that a preference for you, or is that more like pressure for you? I never thought about it. I guess that was probably the only time. I mean, I do a lot of commercial work, too, so there's always deadlines there that can be stressful. But, yeah, I I, I like the challenge. But for the Rembrandts at that point, it was just like, oh, this could be fun, you know. Right. But then once it it became a hit and we had to get into, you know, make a long, you know, four-minute version of it or however long it turned out, it seemed to flow pretty quick. Okay. Did you try to keep the pressure at bay at that point, or did it not even feel like pressure? It was starting to feel like pressure. You know, there was all this talk about, okay, we're going to shoot a video for it now. And we were a bit caught off guard because our record was, our our third album was already in the can. I'll Be There For You was stripped in as a A a bonus sort of hidden track at the end of the album. Then that song was the emphasis of our record. So in a way, it kind of like pulled the carpet out from under us. We weren't sure what was going on at that time. Sent our career off in a little different trajectory than we were originally planning. song, you know, was number one for so many weeks that the original single, um, This House Is Not a Home, off that third album, radio stations wouldn't play it because you can't have two singles right, at the same yeah. time. <laughs> right. You bumped your own song off. <laughs> so honestly, how much did that song change your life? It's pretty ubiquitous. It's, it's a good thing. It, at first it was a bit of an albatross, but now probably like mm-hmm. Ali Willis said, you know, um, it's a good thing. Yeah. I think it's a brass ring that, that a, a young artist today or a band, whatever, would um, 
you know, Love cut off their, right. yeah, they cut off their pinky. <laughs> so that then, is so true. You know, going back and getting back to the creative process, after something like blows up so huge, trying to find that pure creative zone, you know, without the echoes of that hit haunting every session and the process. Right. Was that hard for you guys to, you know, boil the creative process down again, get to that yeah. place you were before the hit? Had changed yeah, well, I mean, what ended up happening at that point, I mean, although the band has never officially had any breakups, we found ourselves on the road for like two and a half years touring worldwide. You know, we'd start and then stop and then start again. You know, you hear it happen to a lot of artists. We just got kind of burnt out. And Phil and I took a two-year vacation from each other. Uh-huh. And then stuff settled down. I did a solo record. We got back together. By that point, we didn't have any pressure because the band had gone away for two years. So we came back with another homegrown sort of collection of songs where that's really our comfort zone. You know, we're not we're not ever really trying to keep up with the, the trends or do anything. It's just a certain magic that happens when Phil and I get together without any pressure. Right. So we were pressure cooked, you know, for the two years after that song. Right. And then we just said, okay, let's take a vacation. And then did you kind of have to learn that about yourself to be like, this is really who we are. This is our sweet spot. The success, uh, ironically, that Phil and I have had from the first album to, you know, the third album and maybe this album is that we try not to have any pressure okay you know it's the bits in between you know it's the second album and the crazy tour that that really blow your brain yeah gonna jump in here just for a second and let you know you're listening to danny wilde of the rembrandts right here on the mulberry lane show so then what advice would you have because you know people have ups and downs in their lives and you know big successes and things but it seems like you're saying you find the fun you find you know that zone where you can go what kind of advice would you give about how to get to that place after like a big success well i mean just don't worry about too much you know just have fun writing do what you do don't try to write a number one hit just try to write a good song have fun doing it Phil and I have fun doing it. We have sometimes too much fun doing it. And, um, <laughs> That's good, you know, really, it's just relax. Just chill out, you know, and uh-huh. do what you do. Don't expect too much. And when you don't expect too much, you know, what happens is usually far more than what you expected. I love that. And then right before we let you go, is there a song you're most proud of on this new album? Um, gosh, I like them all. I think I like one of my favorite songs, the fun song, is, is How Far Would You Go? We actually just uh, are finishing up a, a video. It'll, it's dropping uh, later on this week. Yeah, it just kind of encapsulates all that the Rembrandts are. You know, guitars, jangly stuff. You know, it's got the jangly solo mm-hmm. and of course our harmonies mm-hmm. and we like to get a little melody in there if we can uh, <laughs> love it love and it. will you be touring yeah we're working on a tour for um, spring 2020 and should carry us through the summer then um, Europe after that but right now we're doing some acoustic shows in support of the release of the album probably the live band thing is going to happen this spring Okay. Awesome. Well, well if you come through the Midwest, you gotta hop back on here with us. We'd love to have you. Oh, back. we're coming by. Okay. Yay! All right. Sounds good. All right, Bulbury Lane. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Danny Wild of the Rembrandts.
check out their brand new album, Via Satellite. Having Danny on the show, we thought what a perfect opportunity to dig back into the archives, find that interview with Allie Willis, and play that portion of the interview where she talks all about her portion of writing the Friends theme song. So keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. Allie Willis is up next. Taking you to break with the Rembrandts, How Far Would You Go? Off the latest album, Via Satellite. I can't lose that Rachel here. Just want to give you a personal invitation to get in on more sister fun music and highlights from the radio show. You can head on over to our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, The Mulberry Lane Show. We love having you here and we'd love to meet you over there for more positivity, creativity, and true connection. We've got you covered. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. Now, if you tuned in for the last two segments on this episode, you heard from Danny Wilde of the duo The Rembrandts, most known for their co-writing and performing the hit song, I'll Be There For You. You know, the theme from Friends. Well, you heard Danny's take on the writing of that song. Well, just for fun and for you guys, we went back into the Mulberry Lane Show archives because we chatted with the other co-writer of that hit song, Allie Willis in 2018 and it's just really interesting to get another perspective of that slice of pop culture but before we hit play on that you gotta know a thing or two about this songwriter Allie Willis she co-wrote the song September and Boogie Wonderland for Earth, Wind and Fire Neutron Dance for the Pointer Sisters and she was a co-author of the Broadway hit musical The Color Purple she has a Grammy and Emmy, a Tony and a Webby Award she's an internationally known visual artist and pioneered virtual worlds and social networks before anyone even knew what they were. She also throws A-list parties. So there's a little background information on Allie Willis. We're going to get to the segment of the interview from last year where she talks all about the writing of the song, I'll Be There For You. You hated that song. Yes, I did. <laughs> I mean, I love it now. I worship it. But right. this was 1994. I was right in the midst of trying to, like, evangelize about the Internet, you know, what the social nature of it. And yet I had a songwriting quota where I was turning out songs just to fill the quota. Okay. Didn't feel like they were especially good. It wasn't fair to my co-writers because I wouldn't even want to hang around for the demo. And it was the first time I had a quota, and the, the quota really made me hate uh, writing. You know, you just have to stamp these things out. Right. Every time I thought I had fulfilled the quota, they would say, well, you know, you wrote this song with two people, but there's seven people in the group, and everyone gets a cut, so oh. I was, wasn't fulfilling it. Oh, and yet man. I was writing a trillion songs. So finally it got down to I owed a seventh of a song. A seventh and, of a song? Uh, a seventh, one seventh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and Friends was about to go on the air in about three weeks, and they decided at the last minute that they wanted a theme song. 
as luck would have it, one of the three producers of the show, a couple years before, I had won the AFI Women's Directing Award. Okay. And I was put with this Kevin Bright. He was my mentor. And I actually ended up giving the award back. I never actually made the little film I was supposed to. I'm the only one in the history of AFI that's ever given the award back. Because if you were a guy and you won the men's directing award, you got $10,000 and you got to shoot on film. If you were a woman, you got 5000 and you had to shoot on video. Oh, my God. Well, good for you for giving it back. Yeah, so I went into protest, and I gave it back, so I never worked with Kevin. But then three years later, he ends up being the producer of the show called Friends. He called Warner Chapel, where I was signed, uh-huh. because it was a Warner Brothers show. And asked for a writer, they wanted someone who was quirky, but commercial. <laughs> so anytime anyone used quirky, I would get the gig. <laughs> so they, they fed me, and he went, oh, my God, I was like her mentor and blah, 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 blah. So I ended up writing the song really only to get out of my publishing deal so I'd never have to write again. Right. Then that song, the day that it aired, the song blew up, and then immediately we turned it into a single. It was the biggest airplay record of the year. You know, I still hear it 14 times a day today, so I'm in love with it now. So that's Allie Willis's experience with the writing of that song. And going back to the archives and listening to this interview, we had to pull this next segment too because there's some great advice here from Allie, especially if you're trying to reinvent yourself. A lot of people go through, you know, slumps in their life, whether it create a slump or a slump at work. What advice do you have for someone who needs to reinvent themselves? Okay, well, uh, as someone who is really a practitioner of that, yeah, you have to try really hard to believe in yourself. You know, people will try and pull you down all day long. No one tries harder to pull you down than yourself. That is so true. So I've been lucky in that even though... There was a huge part of me that felt overlooked a lot of the time. Uh And you lose belief in yourself. Like the fact that I didn't know how to play an instrument, even though I realized that led me to write very distinctive songs because Uh I did things a lot of time a trained musician would never do, it's also very easy to think, oh, you're not really a songwriter. Uh You don't know how to do that. I had the same thing when I started painting, and, you know, it was painting, it was sculpture, it was like building furniture, it was a lot of stuff. But I did not know until 10 years into painting and having sold like a thousand paintings, literally, I did not realize that you mix color together to get other colors. (laughs) That's where I'm at. Gotcha. So, Uh as much as that defined my style, because everything was so bright because it came straight out of a tube, you know? Uh Yeah. So, even though I knew, okay, that's actually working for you that you didn't know this, I could easily talk myself into, yeah, you're not really a painter. You don't know how to do anything. So, how do you stop those thoughts? I was a huge fan of, like, self-help books. Okay. You know, like, if I'm depressed at night or something, I'll go on YouTube and I'll find someone speaking about something, you know. And I would just keep working. As long as I was working, if I was painting or if I was writing music, then I was usually very happy because I think what an incredible thing to be able to to do. Yeah. 
it's not a magic pill. I think you got to work on yourself all the time. Yeah. Basically, you have to babysit yourself. Yeah, oh, I like that. Well, there you have it from Allie Willis. Work on yourself, babysit yourself. I so get that. We'll be right back with, well, you know her as Bun Quee or the nail salon lady. Comedian Angela Johnson up next. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. It's Allie here with the Mulberry Lane Show. And did you know you can be a part of our free email list every week where you'll get more sister fun, links to archived radio shows, tips on creativity for your life, and real connection. All you have to do is text the word Mulberry to the number 22828, and then you enter in your email. So join the free Mulberry Lane email newsletter, and we'll land in your inbox once a week. Text the word Mulberry to 22828. The Mulberry Lane Show, where every creative journey is respected. I'm Bo, here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. Well, you've no doubt seen her hilarious viral videos, Nail Salon and Bon Quee which have been viewed over 65 million times. Now, comedian Angela Johnson brings these characters to life at the Rococo Theater November 9th on her technically not stalking tour. Now, she's here right now to give you a behind the scenes of her life and tour. Welcome, welcome to the show, Angela Johnson. That is fantastic. Aww, thank I you. listen. I can't remember the last time I heard my name sung in a song. Uh-huh. So maybe <laughs> it could be the first time I've heard my name sung in a song. Well, we hope I'm so. Honored. I'm honored. <laughs> well, it's great to have you. We you have you have guys. brought so much laughter into our lives, and like we were just talking about responsibilities, it's so nice to bring up one of your videos and just laugh. Yes. Thank you. I'm honored that I get to be a part of people's lives, like that and here's the thing joy is medicine laughter is medicine and the fact that I get to be a part of medicine like traveling around the world like a traveling doctor I get to be a part of bringing healing and medicine to people who need it who are suffering from all sorts of things and I have a medication for you it's just laughter and it's joy and you experience it then you take it home to your family you take it home to your workplace yes it spills over yes and it does and it, it just marinates and it raises your vibe and your frequency and, and I'm so honored I love that how you put it in do. that way because you know it is more than entertainment it is medicine and healing yeah <laughs> sure. very and grateful so, and so now exactly. you're on a little hiatus from your tour so what are you doing during this downtime of what two weeks three weeks yeah oh enjoying it first uh-huh. of all okay um, and it's never really like downtime because sure. listen I've been up since 5.30 in the morning calling radio stations so uh-huh. like is it downtime I'm not quite sure <laughs> but I I like to spend time with my family and my friends sometimes people ask me like how come you don't go out to the comedy clubs like when you're home like we have the comedy store the laugh factory the improv and I'm like because I'm with my nephew at his t-ball game where they don't even keep score like that's <laughs> right. really important you know? yeah totally yes. so and you gotta balance that yep and balance is so hard to do like just when you think you got it right and you're like I'm doing 
doing a good job of balancing. Then you get a phone call from a friend that's like, hey, are we like not friends anymore? You haven't called me in forever. Right. And you're like, oh, I forgot about you. I'm sorry. Those reality <laughs> checks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when you have a career going and a lot of people pulling at you, it's hard to keep all the relationships going and everyone around you happy without people feeling like you're, you know, cutting someone out or, or she's really changed now. Right. Oh, yeah. Your circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller because you have less time to give. And I remember a very important moment with my sister because she's been my best friend since forever since I was born. She used to know everything about me and my career. Wherever I was, she knew. But then I started getting very, very busy. I didn't really call her every time I was getting on a plane because it started becoming just my normal life. And I remember one time she called me and she was like, hey, I'm kind of hurt because like you used to call me all the time and now when you call me, you only give me five minutes of your day. Uh And I was like, or it's I only have five minutes in my day and I choose to give it to you. And it's like this balance of adjusting life and expectations in whatever career you're in. And then also you got to still work hard to have some balance because I should give her more than five minutes of my day. Like Mm -hmm. I need to adjust something in my life so that I can make more than five minutes for her. You know what I mean? Yes. And those are the things that you just have to learn on the way. And also those are the things that people on the I think outside don't really understand when you're living it how much that stress is and how and many how people are wanting your time as well. Oh, for sure. It's just like, what? You're famous. You don't have any problems. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think sometimes fame, you know, it can magnify some of those problems too, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, if you're just tuning in right now, you're hearing from Angela Johnson, comedian, right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You've created two viral characters, the nail salon lady and bun Kui Kui. You know, when you put these out into the universe, did you have any idea they would react the way they did? And secondly, where where do these characters come from? I mean, there are so many people that would love to have been able to create these. Girl. I had no idea that I would affect pop culture in the way that I have with the nail salon joke and Bong Kui Kui. No, I didn't know that they were going to blow up and be that big. If I did, like if I had the recipe to make a hit character, girl, I would have thousands of characters out there, but I just got them too. You know what I mean? It's like you never know what is going to blow up, what's going to take off, what people are going to respond to. You just keep creating and putting stuff out there. But that nail salon joke, I've been getting my nails done since I was 12 years old, and I went to the same nail salon until I was, like, in my early 20s. She watched me grow up, basically. Mm -hmm. So when I became a professional cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders, I came back to the nail salon that I had gone to since I was 12, and I brought my nail lady my headshot of me as a cheerleader. And I gave it to her, and I signed it so she could put it on her wall, and that is when she said to me, I knew the first time. You walk in here, you look like motto, cheerleader, something so nice. So everything that I talk about in that joke has been said to me at some point. But that's the story behind that particular piece is like this woman watched me grow up. And I had no idea that just talking about my experience because it's so relatable to so many people that it would blow up the way it did. So crazy. So now, you know, a lot of people wish for that viral video that thing to happen but talk a little bit about the downside of 
those types of situations, what you had to deal with following it? Listen, there's now the pressure to top yourself. Whatever I release next has to be better than that because then people are going to say, fill in the blank. Right. It's always like, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? Are they still going to want to come to my show? If I don't get enough likes, if I don't get enough subscribers, like there's all this pressure yeah. now once you've released something great. You would like to think like, oh, I put this great thing out into the world. Let me just coast on that. But that's not how it works. Now it's like, okay, what next? And I guess we put the pressure on ourselves, but also it's just the, the reality that we it. live in. The re yeah. Exactly. Like people want more and it's like, when are you doing a new special? And I'm like, oh, I just did one. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I, it takes a little bit of time. <laughs> right. You know, someone who's maybe listening to this, who has their, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and they kind of live on their likes. How do you personally keep your self-worth separate from how many people like your stuff? Such a good question. A really good tool to use uh -huh. is called put your phone down. Yes. <laughs> is, there an, is there an away. app for that? <laughs> on iPhone, they have a timer where uh -huh. you can set a timer. If you've been on social media for too long, it'll tell you. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. your time's up. You've been on social media too long. When you start feeling your blood pressure rise, when you start feeling anxiety, like your breathing starts changing while you're scrolling through Instagram, Instagram because uh -huh. you're comparing yourself to yes. this other woman who just went on a hot date with her husband and he bought her flowers and whatever and you're like man my husband never does that right. to me or the woman who just posted like this beautiful lunch that she did for her son in his school and like look how she decorated it and you're like damn it I just did peanut butter and jelly like I don't right. even know how to make that creative little snack she did right and then and she comes home and her house is yes. immaculate on top of it all yeah <laughs> She wore heels while she made that lunch, too. Like, just to rub it in a little bit. And we start comparing ourselves. And next thing you know, you go down this rabbit hole yeah. of just full-on comparison. And you start feeling, like, less than. Train yourself to, before you get to that moment, put your phone down. Discipline. And I would say, try not to pick up your phone first thing in the morning. And just, like, welcome yourself to the day. Give yourself your affirmations. And remind yourself, like, what a blessing it is to be alive before you pick up the phone and remind yourself what you don't have. I love that. Right. that and then so before good. we let so you good. go, you were a professional cheerleader, you moved to LA to become an actress, and then you know these videos blew up. But I'm sure in there, there were times when you questioned you know, if you'd made the right decision, when things weren't going your way. So what advice would you have for someone who is trying to figure out if they should keep going with what they're doing or you know, give it up? Um, follow peace in your spirit. Like, if you have peace in your spirit of keep going, keep going, follow peace. When I was, like, down and out, I had nothing to my name, no opportunities, no money, no job. I stayed, and I didn't go home because I felt a peace in my spirit. I felt a gut check in my spirit. Like, God was saying, I'm not done yet. Just keep going. I'm not done yet. So you have to be really in tune with your body and uh -huh. with your own relationship to your creator, however you see that, uh -huh. so that you can listen and... And listen to that small, still voice on the inside. If you have too much going on, you're too busy, it's too loud, you're too distracted, it's like, it's social media here, it's going out here, quiet it 
it down a little bit. Take uh-huh. some things off of your plate so that you can focus in and listen to your body and listen to God talking to you. And then you can hear that peace in your spirit of keep going or you don't feel that peace and maybe it's time to redirect and go in a different direction. Great Beautiful advice. advice. Angela, we thought we would laugh through this interview. <laughs> we got such good advice. <laughs> too. Sorry, I know. Sometimes I forget to bring the punchlines, and I'm like, let's talk about real stuff. Well, well, we, you know what? We, we actually pre- like we providing a different that. side of yes. Angela Johnson to our listeners. So that's, yes. that's awesome. We but appreciate come it. Come see me on the Technically Not Stalking Tour. I'll give you plenty of advice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Angela, take care, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Well, that's Angela Johnson. Make sure you check out the Technically Not Stocking Tour coming through the Midwest, November 9th in Lincoln and 10th in Kansas City. All right, sisters, it's time now for show notes, where we summarize the best bits of advice from each guest on this episode. Take it, Allie. Okay, well, first up today, you heard from singer-songwriter Danny Wilde of the Rembrandts. The guys behind the song, I'll Be There For You, the theme song from Friends. Now, Danny talked getting back to that creative sweet spot, especially after a big success. And what'd he say, Rachel? He says, you gotta get back to the fun. And he says, you know, you might even want to try to have too much fun. And he said, when you don't expect too much, what happens is usually far more than what you expected. Mic drop. (laughs) Remember to relax and stick to what you know. And the Rembrandts always stick with what works for them. Those jangly guitars and harmonies all over the new album via satellite. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Then you heard from the other co-writer of the Friends theme song, Allie Willis. Now her advice is all about how to believe in yourself. She said you have to try really hard to do this because people will try to pull you down all day long, but no one does a better job of pulling you down than yourself. That is so true. So to stop that avalanche of downward thoughts, she says she turns to self-help books and YouTube videos. You have to work on yourself all the time. And she suggests babysitting yourself. So you got to tell yourself what to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye on yourself like you would a child. (laughs) That inner child. Then finally, you heard from comedian Angela Johnson. She struggled in the beginning and she shares her heart on if you're on the struggle bus right now, should you keep going or redirect? She said, so many times we get so busy, distractions everywhere. She says to quiet it all down. Take some things off your plate so you can focus on your body and listen to God talking to you. She said, if you feel peace in your spirit about what you're doing, keep going. And if not, it's time to redirect and go in a different direction. So definitely a very soulful answer from comedian Angela Johnson. I love the vibe of that. It's getting quiet with yourself and really following that inner guidance. It's there if you look for it. Mm-hmm. And we will be here for you guys next weekend here on the Mulberry Lane Show. We're your inner guidance. <laughs> <laughs> well, if nothing else, we hope to point you in the right direction. So, girls, we've come to the end of another show, but until next week. We're so glad you spent this time with us. Hope you're going to go into your week with renewed energy, and we'll be waiting right here for you next weekend. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. But Rachel, that's a wrap. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.